All right, Joe, we are back on the podcast where we are training men in spiritual fitness. And uh, we are just towards the beginning of an eight-week challenge where we are hoping to encourage groups of Christian men to spend time memorizing the promises of God, uh, spend 20 minutes a day in prayer. Um, as part of this challenge, they will read the biography of a Christian hero, uh, that being Hudson Taylor, and being able to, to gather once a week as friends to, to talk about this. This is what we're calling the Hero Challenge, the Hudson Taylor Hero Challenge. And uh, so during this week, if guys are following along, guys, if you're not, I'd encourage you, you I'll, I'll leave a link in the show notes where you can begin to follow along with this challenge. Join us in this. Um, but if guys are following along, they will this week read in Hudson Taylor's autobiography, um, chapters three, four, and five. And I got to say, after having read this myself this week, Joe, uh, I found these chapters extremely challenging. And it, it kind of reminded me of the core problem I have a lot with a lot of Christian biographies. That is that, that a lot of times I find myself reading these books and then someone will ask me, man, how was it? How's the story of Hudson Taylor? And I tell them, it's the greatest book of fiction I've ever read. <laughs> I don't know if you get that that same sense, Joe, because I feel like sometimes the stories these guys tell are insane. And they actually are so unbelievable that they really, I really struggle to believe that they happened. <laughs> and it's just so radical. It's so radical. So I actually want to just kind of start there with guys because I think that there's a little bit of a danger that I want to warn guys of as they begin to read this week, um, these chapters. The danger is that you will open this book, begin to read these stories, and you will hear them and the greatness and the just unbelievable things that happened in the lives of Hudson Taylor. And you'll say, wow. And then you'll turn the page and you'll move on. And you may completely <laughs> miss exactly what's going on. And really the stories that I think our friend Hudson Taylor wants us to learn. So I, I guess I want to ask you, Joe, do, do you think that, that trusting God always, always results in these, these stories that sound like fiction? Do you think that that this is the average expectation for guys who surrender their lives in trust to God? You know, I think most of us don't expect there to be a biography written about our lives. Um, and so, you know, the fact that there are multiple biographies about this man's life, I think says that the Lord, you know, used him in a special way. But when God elevates someone in that special way, it's not just so we can sit back in admiration and kind of stay stagnant, you know, where we are. It's because he actually wants to use them as an example to impress something on us. <laughs> and so, you know, we may not be at the cutting edge of some new frontier mission work, but it's the same God and it's the same faithfulness. And I think we should expect to be tasting more of his faithfulness, you know, if in a sense we're growing in those traits that were exemplified so powerfully in Hudson Taylor's life. So I would say two things to men. One, as you read this book, um, confront your own skepticism and your own secularism. You know, we are more atheistic in our thinking and practice than we admit. And, uh, be honest about that. Realize, you know what? I've stopped believing in this living God that actually wants to, you know, be involved in the details of my life. And you're going to be shaken out of that mentality through this. But at the same time, don't think that you're meant to replicate Hudson Taylor's life. You're not Hudson Taylor. You know, you are who you are, but take those examples and be challenged. And you can see more of God. I can guarantee that you can see more of God's hand in your life 
if you'll begin to trust him more deeply. Yeah, I, I think there's a reason we called this the hero challenge, right? This is, we, we got to understand there is something about the life of Hudson Taylor that has made him seem like a Christian hero, right? It's someone, like you said, many books were written about. So there is something that's a little not ordinary about him in that sense. You know, yes, no one's going to write a book about my life. I understand that. Um, so in that sense, it's almost like, you know, you, you may sometimes hear people talk about different sections of the Bible. Is this prescriptive or descriptive? You know, th- those t- I think it's the life of Hudson Taylor. Is this prescriptive for every man? Should we live exactly the same way he did, do exactly... Perhaps not, but it is a great description, ultimately, I think, of a great trustworthy God. And I think that's how we need to see some of this, is I think if Hudson were here face-to-face telling us these stories, we're reading it right now, but if he was our friend in our circle, I think what he'd want us to understand more was not necessarily, wow, look how radical and incredible my life was in these stories. He'd say, look how incredibly trustworthy God is. Like (laughs) You and I, you ordinary man. And me, like we serve an incredibly trustworthy God. And that's kind of the big picture takeaway that I, I think he wants us to see. And then I, I want guys, just the ordinary guy that's a mechanic out there, that's a teacher, whatever you are. There are parts of this uh, that, I, like you said, too, should challenge us where we are as ordinary Christian men. And so this is one of these things like it, it can, I think, apply to us um, no matter where we are. It doesn't have to look the exact same, but it should challenge us to confront those areas of unbelief or those areas where we're struggling to trust God. I want to I ask you a follow-up question to some of that, though, because this is something I've wrestled with, again, in reading other biographies. And that's just, where is the line between trusting God and just acting foolhardy? Just like, just, just being radical for the sake of being radical and crazy. Um, is, is there a line somewhere in there that we can help guys see, okay, yes, this is what it looks like to be a man who trusts God wholly and completely with all of your life, but this is a man who's taken that too far and is acting foolhardy. One thing that's interesting is, and we'll get to this in a future episode, but, but Hudson Taylor actually talks about himself needing to grow up. Hmm. Uh, there's a moment where, you know, he gives up uh, what we would think of as kind of a life vest or something on a ship. Um, and he, after he learns the importance of what he calls means. So trusting God is not denying that God uses ordinary means. So, you know, if you just don't cook dinner, um, thinking that God's just going to put food on your table, you know, that's that's foolish. Um, now, if you've got no money and you think God won't feed you, that's also foolish. You should be trusting him. Um, and so the problem with any, whenever we're talking about a virtue, there's a whole lot of wisdom and discernment that's required. And so part of maturity is uh, is being able to distinguish, you know, what what God has given you, where He wants you to go, and and take responsibility, um, and then those moments where, like a child, you just sit back and say, "Hey, Father, you know, I, I need you in this moment to do what only you can do." So uh, I can't give guys a law or a rule, but I think that's a question as you read this whole book. Wrestle with it. What is the difference between foolishly, um, just uh, you know, recklessly uh, not making use of the resources God's given you and what does authentic faith really look like? Yeah, I think that's helpful. And that's a, again, why a lot of the push of this eight week challenge is for us to double down on the promises of God. Again, relying yeah. wholly and completely on who is the God that we serve. And uh, that's what we want to base our lives on as men is, is that focus there. Not like how radical and crazy of a person can we look like? Yeah. You know? <laughs> that's that, that we would miss the point there. If our aim is to, what can I do to make sure there's a book written about me? Then guys, <laughs> you're taking this all the wrong way. <laughs> you're taking this the wrong way. Please stop that. Um, 
All right. Well, I want to maybe relive a few of these stories uh, here in this episode because I think they're worth highlighting some of what uh, our friend Hudson would say. Hey, here's what you need to see out of these. Um, as, as guys begin to read these stories this week, I think they're going to be, again, amazed at what God did in and through Hudson and how you can begin to see him change. You know, mm-hmm. we're, we have the benefit. This is, again, one of the great things about reading a biography is sometimes things that took years to develop in the life of a man and seemed really slow. We get to read about it in like two pages, right? <laughs> so it's, it's real short for us, but but we get to begin to see now, looking back on an early life of Hudson Taylor, um, how he was being shaped and formed and maybe mistakes he had and maybe um, ways that he uh, began to think about people and God that, man, by God's grace, began to be corrected and really led him down the path to, to become the man that we now um, know and recognize. Um, so, but the first story I think that that's worth talking about is just that story of when the guy came and uh, said, hey, will you come and pray for my wife? And it right. seemed like maybe a small ask at first, even though Hudson could tell this guy was probably poor, came from a poor side of town. And actually, the further along he walked with this guy, he began to notice more and more, oh, wait, this is getting really rough. Oh, wait, we're, we're headed into a bad situation. And the guy takes him into his house and, and says, will you pray for my wife? And he looks, Hudson looks around and the wife is laying next to a baby who's probably a few days old and is not not crying, but moaning because clearly starved. There's other kids in the room who are clearly, he can tell just by their physical resemblance, they they are starving, that this family is, is destitute. This family is in a really, really hard spot. And it puts Hudson in this really awkward space. And he, you can tell, you can see and sense his struggle there as he's in this room and wants to pray for these people. He clearly also wants to help them, but he realizes He's got one coin, single coin. (laughs) It's like that worst case scenario where you're like, I'd love to not only pray for these people, but I'd love to provide and and buy them some food. I got I got one coin. And he says, I've only got enough food at home for tonight. And I think maybe the next morning. That's all. So he he really himself doesn't have much. Um, And he he talks about as he's sitting there just just wishing that instead of the one coin, like, you know, here in America, it'd be like having a hundred dollar bill or something. Um, man, if, if in, instead of one bill, if I had that in 20s and 10s and I could just hand this family $10 and then I could go home and still have enough money to take care of myself and my needs for the next week because I have no money coming. And he's wrestling with this, wrestling with this. And he eventually does what all he knows to do. And that's just to pray with the family and says, our father who art in heaven. And just he describes the hypocrisy that he feels in that moment. Yeah. Complete hypocrisy by saying, oh, man, our father, as if he trusts this father while he's holding on to this one coin in his hand and looking at a starving family who has nothing. Yeah. And uh, and the guys can read the, the rest of the story for themselves in the book. But basically, Hudson ultimately gives up all he has. He gives his one coin, yeah. his only money, which is his sustenance for the rest of the week. It's all the money he would have to live off of. He gives it to this family, knowing and coming to this realization and ultimately telling the father not only can you trust God, but I trust God and I trust him so much that I, I'm going to give, give this coin to you because I know of his provision. And so I, I, a, a crazy story of, of radical trust, I think there, but what do you, what do you think are the takeaways for just the ordinary Christian man who, who reads that? 
you know, one of them is if you, if you pay attention to how he talks about his own spirit in that interaction, because I mean, initially he's, he's been in a season of, I mean, prayer life's been great. He's been yeah. having joy in the Lord. And then as he enters into this home and he, he wrestles with his own, what's ultimately greed and lack of faith. He wants to cling to this money and ask God to use somebody else to provide. And he talked about how that all of a sudden his joy is like quenched. It's only when he gives that money that all of a sudden it's like the, the joy is unbottled again. And I think all of us, you know, the truth is this, the, the Holy Spirit is working in our hearts. And we have these moments where we know we're being led to obey or submit or yield and we resist it. And that does kill a kind of spiritual peace or joy. And as we step back out, and sometimes it's after a radical act of uh, faith, that all of a sudden we have that closer sense of uh, communion with God. Mm-hmm. So one thing I would just encourage guys, if you're in that space where you know you're resisting the leading of the Holy Spirit, give up your pride, mm-hmm. you know, give up whatever it is, because that space of trust is going to be also where there's real fulfillment not found elsewhere. Mm-hmm. I think the other thing is, you know, part of what um, he's learning in this period of his life is that the that the Bible has radical things to say about um about giving ourselves and giving our finances. Mm-hmm. Um, so again, if you listen, Hudson Taylor, he knows his Bible so well that often there's hidden verses. And so one of the verses in the background in that in that story is a Proverbs 19, 17. And it talks about whoever is kind to the poor lends to the Lord. Mm-hmm. If you pause and think, what would it be like to lend to God? You can't lend to God. God owns everything already. But what Proverbs is telling us, I mean, if you want to return on your money, <laughs> the best thing you could do is put it in the hands of the one who has everything. Um, and that's what he finds. So he gives up that, that coin that again, is a whole lot more than what we think of as a coin. But then in the, in the mail, the next day he gets, it's like, you know, a huge return four times or something what he gave away and he can't even read the address. He doesn't even know where it comes from. And so it's so clear. This is from God and it's him learning that no, all that the Bible says, we have a heavenly father. We can trust him. We seek first his kingdom. He'll make sure that the other needs are provided. And that becomes the foundation of, you know, a whole lifetime of much deeper, more radical acts of faith. Yeah, as I read the stories, especially the story of Hudson Taylor, there are times when I find myself saying, ooh, I want to be that kind of guy. You know, that, right. and, and there are also times, honestly, where I where we read and I say, well, I don't, I don't know that I want to be that kind of guy. I, I struggle with being that. And, and I will say at the very beginning of this story, I, I say, man, I want to be that kind of guy because it starts with this, something simple that I think all of us want to be this kind of guy. Someone in need in his community comes to him and asks for prayer. Like, don't we all want to be the kind of guy who, when the, someone is in need, they come to us and they say, will you pray for me? You've proven some, Hudson did something to prove right. that he was the kind of guy that would pray for others in their time of need. He was reliable in that sense. So he showed some sort of trust in God. He showed that he obviously was a man of prayer. There were signs in his life of that. I want to be that kind of guy. But I think the the takeaway from some of this story is that if you want to be the kind of guy who is seen as the man who will pray for others, you need to also be the kind of guy who actually trusts God to answer prayers. And he wants to be there to see and be a part of God beginning to answer those prayers. And I think Hudson, that's what I saw in, in, in Hudson's life there, is that he took that next step. Not only was he the kind of guy who was reliable to pray with and for others, but he also was the kind of guy who said, 
you know what? I see and I sense, he sensed in himself, the spirit leading him to do something and he, and he acted and he did something. And that, that's a harder step, I think, for a lot of guys. That's taking things uh, to the next level. But that is, nothing stops and, and you know, there is no, no, no end to the obedience of God, right? We are, we are always called further and further. And that's part of what we've got to see ourselves heading towards as men of God. Um, any, any other takeaways from this story that you say guys need to walk away from, or I, I may um, take us to another story that I thought was impactful. Yeah. And it'll, it'll come into the next one and in, in almost every story that we go through in this whole book. But um, I think just for men to uh, discover more about what it means to know God as father, mm-hmm. I think um, what we often find, we often find is just Hudson Taylor often speaks in that way. And, and he knows, I think a lot of us, you know, we, we know Jesus, um, but Jesus is constantly pointing us to the father and telling us about his, uh, the, the love of the father. And uh, that's something that that Hudson Taylor just really um, internalized in his own life. I, I came across a quote from him uh, the other day where he, he's talking about just early on, he says that um, that God taught me in my helplessness to rest on him and to pray about little things in which others might have felt able to help themselves. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it's, it's that childlike faith, whereas we think, nah, my, my, my father's too busy. I'm just going to handle this on my own. But actually, maybe God wants to be involved. Not that he has to be. He just wants to be. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of the mentality that you see in Hudson Taylor played out. Mm, yeah. The, the, the other story that really, I, I want to say this one bothered me uh, in this week's reading was a story where he, I don't know, he just refuses to take the wages that he's owed. That's how I see it, at least. Uh, you know, uh, basically, the setup that, that Hudson has between his employer is that he's to let his employer know when it's his time to be paid every quarter. Like, it's not that often, right? you know, when it's his time. Obviously, his boss is not the kind of guy who's just like on it with paying. And, uh, <laughs> And instead, what Hudson does is he chooses, you know what, I am not going to ask this man for my wages. I'm going to trust God to provide for me. And, you know, guys will read the story this week, but basically through a series of different circumstances, Hudson becomes more and more, he, he has no money and, and he's waiting to be paid and it's money he's owed. Like it's he worked for it. He's already done the work, but he places himself in a position of just trusting God to provide. And he gets these little hints of, oh, now's the time when the money's going to finally come through. And then it doesn't. <laughs> and now's the time when this is, and, and then it doesn't. And he keeps kind of going deeper and deeper in a hole, but also deeper and deeper in like, God, you're going to come through. And and God does finally provide and uh, crazy circumstances where some rich guy comes and pays his bill at like 10 o'clock at night, which he never, which never happens. And then the boss uh, gives Hudson some of the money that he's owed and he's provided for. But I, this this kind of story, again, kind of bothers me because I feel like Hudson's doing something that he doesn't necessarily have to do. But what what is the takeaway for guys like us, modern times, in today's day? What How do we read the story and, and take anything away from it? Yeah, I think there's two things. Um, one One's regarding God and one regarding uh, Hudson Taylor. The one regarding God, I do think there's a lesson to be learned, and it's not just seen in Hudson Taylor's life, but throughout the Bible. You know, uh, God didn't, you know, demolish the army of Pharaoh as soon as they left the gates of uh, like Memphis or wherever they were at the time. Um, He let Israel get to the edge of the Red Sea and feel (laughs) utterly pinned. And, you know, in a sense, when they had nowhere else to look for hope, then all of a sudden he acted and came through. And it's pretty consistent 
I mean, in the Bible, that God lets his people get to that point of desperation. So I think one lesson is just for those of us trusting God and feeling like, man, like the night is never going to end. Mm. Well, it's just at the break of dawn, Psalm 46, that God comes in his saving might. And so, I mean, we see that. And I, said, I think we just be encouraged that God, he is hearing us. He's going to show up. But the other thing I think for Hudson Taylor himself is he has a specific vocation in view. And if you listen to him, he knows that actually these aren't radical situations, that when he gets to China, that's when, uh, in a sense, he's going to be in live combat. And so this is like basic training for him. This is him not proving God, but he feels like faith itself is a kind of spiritual muscle that needs to be exercised. Mm. And he needs to, in a sense, demonstrate that he's got that muscle in order for him to be able to go and fulfill that calling. Mm. And so... You know, again, this is where I don't think we're all called. Like, Evan, I, I would assume that you've not, you know, rethought your business, you know, in order to receive all your payments, you know, in this manner. You know, um, that's probably not what you've done, and that's the right call. Yeah. Uh, but at the same time, um, I think there's a lesson, whatever whatever our calling is, um, that we too have spiritual muscles, that we need to exercise these. And there probably are areas that uh, we're taking too much ownership, too much control, and we might need to be challenged to, uh, to you know, step out on some deeper water, you know, as we as we heed the voice of Jesus. Yeah, I, I think that's it. Because, again, as we're reading this biography, we can if you skip skip ahead like six chapters, you're going to see a man walking in radical trust through radical circumstances uh, in China in the midst of some very crazy. But th that didn't happen overnight. Like you're saying, right. like. It, 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 he saw that he needed training to get there. He saw that he needed to begin to strengthen his faith. As you mentioned, like our faith as men can begin to be strengthened. And it is this muscle that we've got to um, continually say, how can I grow and, and learn through some of this? I think a lot, of, a lot of times we read stories like this and we see them as an accusation against our own personal fortitude. Like I don't have what it takes to put me and my family in a situation where we're not asking, you know, I'm I'm not billing my customers for money, you know, like, right. but, but that's not at all. I think what the takeaway from, from this, these stories should be, this is really a man who's, he's putting himself in a position to, to, to learn the trustworthiness of God, because that's where his personal fortitude is going to come from later. It, it, you know, it's, it's the trustworthy of God that leads the way throughout all of this. And so that's how we have to, to read this uh, as ordinary men as well as like, like, yeah, there are areas of our lives where we do need to challenge and and be and be strengthened and such. Um, but that is, yeah, the anchor of that is beginning to learn and to begin to start with uh, where where do we trust God? Where do we lack trust in God? How can we strengthen our faith in these areas? Um, there's a, there's another story guys will read. We won't go over it right now, but there's another story where it's worth reading because I'll just tell you right now, Hudson is declared a dead man. Like, that's, come on. I mean, how, how can you resist that? Someone look, yeah. doctor looks at him and says, dude, you're dead. You're, you're a dead yeah. man. It's over yeah. for you. And I think what we learn is, hey, there's more books. So he must have lived. And so again, you're going to read of some, some great circumstances where God proves faithful and, and a great testament of, you know, faith, Hudson staying faithful to the end, no matter when, when that was, right? Like we, we yeah. saw that he was ready for that to be the end and stayed faithful to the end. But it, it turned out God had many more years in store for him. So, so guys, you're going to read a lot of great stories this week. Um, if you follow along with us in this challenge in the life of Hudson Taylor, but I want to kind of challenge you guys as you think about this as a group, because again, part of this eight week challenge is that you're getting together once a week with someone 
Uh, most guys will be doing this with a group of friends. Some of you may be doing it with a mentor. Maybe you're doing it with your family. Maybe you're doing it with your grandson, anything like that. But have some time where you begin to think about, especially for groups of men, um, what are the normalized behaviors for us as men? Every group has uh, kind of a, an underscoring median or normalize, normalization that happens. And I think that we as men need to be able to normalize radical trust. I think we need to evaluate our friendships that we share and say, you know what, is trustworthy? Do we find and are there stories that we tell each other um, that prove that we as men trust God and that that's just normal in this group? That it's really normal to say, man, God is is worthy of trust and he has shown time and time again. And so, so I think part of that, just practically speaking, um, this week means tell each other stories of God's provision. Like, don't overlook that. God has... Many times you think you don't have these great stories like Hudson Taylor, but it turns out guys are really bad storytellers, actually. <laughs> so if you will think back, you actually have some great stories of God's provision in your life. And so think about that. Tell your friends that because what that does, is it begins to normalize the, the, the radical trust that you need to have there uh, as a group of men. Um, and I think that the other big piece of this is just becoming the kind of guys who recite the promises of God to one another. That's why we've paired this challenge with not just read about a great Christian hero, but memorize eight promises of God and recite those to one another as you gather every week. Because for groups of men, we need to realize that we need to become okay with and make it normal to begin to say who God is and what he's promised and how he always fulfills his promises. That kind of language, that kind of talk, when that becomes normal in a group of men, that's when you're going to start to see communities begin to be transformed by the power of God, I believe. Um, so, so try that this week. Um, really uh, don't do this alone, I guess, ultimately is what I'm saying. Please gather with others and uh, make this a, a, you know, a worthwhile challenge. But y'all join us again next week because we're going to talk more about uh, the life of Hudson Taylor and how we can begin to encourage each, uh, one another to trust in the faithfulness of God.